Hi, I'm Dee Reddy and welcome to Scale by Intercom. Scale is our dedicated content resource on the Inside Intercom blog where you can find a wealth of materials, including podcasts, of course, that explore how businesses are driving growth through customer relationships. And we're back with a whole new look for our podcast for 2021. Every second week, you'll hear from guests on a range of topics from customer experience to sales and marketing and hear about the strategies and frameworks that they've used to chart new paths for their customers and their companies. This week, we hear from CEO and founder of CX Journey Inc., Annette Franz, who chatted with our own Senior Manager of Customer Support for North America, Bobby Stapleton. She shares her insights and actionable advice for building a value-driving support organization. And we also hear why you might not be journey mapping, even if you think you are. It's a really interesting chat. So let's head over to the studio and hear from Annette and Bobby. Annette, we are so excited to have you here along at Inside Intercom today. Really delighted to chat about your work over at the CX Journey, Inc. And to kick us off, uh, would you mind giving us just a bit of background about yourself? Oh, oh, sure. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, anytime that we can talk customer experience, uh, I'm there, right? So um, I am currently a CEO of CX Journey, Inc., which is a, a customer experience consultancy. I've actually spent about 30 years in this customer experience profession, started back in the early 90s at uh, J.D. Power & Associates and really spent much of the last 25 years on the corporate side uh, either working for the voice of the customer platform vendors, you know, running their consulting services organizations. Plus, I've had three stints on the client side running, you know, working on customer experience strategy or running the the CX group there. So um, so it's been a full and fun ride. Uh, I just finished a stint as chair of the Customer Experience Professionals Association, the CXPA. Oh. And I am now in my last year, I've been on the board this is my sixth year on the board. So I'm now immediate past chair and, and just wrapping, wrapping that up. So, and then finally, I, um, I wrote a book about a year and a half ago called customer understanding three ways to put the customer and customer experience and at the heart of your business. And, uh, yeah, excited to, uh, have everything that's in my head on paper. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine it's one thing to lead customer supports or to offer that uh, leadership and consulting. Another thing to, like you said, put it on paper. And what a great time to write a book about customer experience. Who knew that, uh, you know, a little over a year later, it would be such an important focus for for companies as we moved into our digital world. Yeah, exactly. Well, I see that you do quite a bit of work with Forbes as part of their coaches council. Can you tell us a little bit about what that work involves? Oh, sure. You know, it's it's less about work and more about community, right? It's it's really the Forbes Coaches Council is really a coaches community where we support and help each other, you know, behind the scenes, you know, helping each other out in ways that we can. Hey, do you know somebody who, hey, can you refer me to or, you know, those kinds of things. But it's also, you know, a publication platform. Obviously, Forbes is a media outlet. And so I do write for Forbes and also contribute to some of their thought leadership content. A lot of times they'll put together pieces where they go out to pretty much every week they ask the coaches for advice on a boatload of topics and we can pick the topics that we want to weigh in on and they put together a panel of responses. So yeah, so it's a great uh, support community for coaches and it also gives us an opportunity and a vehicle to share what, you know, what our expertise is and, and how we're thinking about things today. 
do you find a lot of different styles and approaches across the different coaches? Oh yeah, because it's coaches from all walks of life, right? It's not just business coaches, it's life coaches, it's coaches, coaches, <laughs> you know? So yeah, absolutely. And, and actually that's part of the intrigue and the interest, you know, there too, because people come at it from different perspectives. So it's, it's really been a great uh, a learning platform as well for me. I love that. Touching back on your book, you know, you released this book, Customer Understanding, Three Ways to Put the Customer in Customer Experience and at the Heart of Your Business. And yeah, as mentioned, I'm sure it's just had uh, such a great time for focusing on customers. From your view, how's the response been? You know, it's really been amazing. Some of the feedback that I've gotten has been the feedback that I would hope to get about the book, right? That it's become a handbook. It's a guide. It, it, I've got it sitting here by my desk and I've got, you know, dog-eared and, and highlighted and, and, you know, I pull it up when I'm going to do, you know, journey mapping work or, or persona work, or I'm looking for ways to, you know, operationalize my customer feedback, you know, those kinds of things. And so it's, it's really been pretty awesome. I, I, I love that people are using it as, as I intended them to use it. Right. And the way that I wrote it too, I tried to write it in very, I don't want to say very simple terms, but in less of an academic approach and more of a, here's very practical and conversational approach. And, and I've gotten some great feedback about that as well. A lot of times they'll say, you know, I've heard you on podcasts and then I read your book and, and I just can hear your voice saying what the book is saying, you know? So that's, oh, I love cool. that. Yeah, and yeah. such a important blend to have those specifics, have those details, but also not over-index on that. And also, on the other hand, on the other side, you don't want just platitudes. Like, we've all heard exactly. customer experience platitudes. So to have um, that full scope from you is super, super helpful. Yeah, it's very actionable for sure. And, and that's what I wanted it to be. Great. So let's take a look at the team side of things. So... You know, you've written before about injecting the humanity back into CX. And I guess, you know, one of the best places to start on that, you know, really is with the customer support, the CX teams themselves. And what's your advice to the CX leaders about how to develop a really strong team culture, especially when teams are likely separated uh, by time and space working remote these days? Yeah, you know, I think it starts really starts with the company culture to begin with, right? That company culture will feed into that team culture as well and should always be a part of the team culture. But the, the company culture has to be one that's deliberately designed to be customer-centric, that puts the customer into everything that we do and that that we always have the best interest of our customers at heart, right? So so teams are all go- always going to develop their own ways to do things. They're going to always develop how they work and and their own language and ways to communicate. But hopefully that's always within the boundaries of that larger corporate culture. And the other thing that I would call out here too, is that, you know, I'm a big believer in employees more first, right? So we've got to make sure that we really focus on the employee experience and make sure that our teams have and our employees have the tools, the resources, the training, the workspace, the workplace, the, 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 the policies and the processes in place to do the job that they were hired to do, you know, and when I first start working with clients, I'll, I'll interview executives, employees, and customers and the employees. I love it when they tell me, you know, 
it, it maybe not so much why they tell me this, but because they don't have these things, but they, but they'll say, I don't have, or I do have the tools and the resources to serve my customers the way that they deserve to be served. So, so employees know, right. You know, so, mm-hmm. so provide them with what they need to do their jobs well. And in turn, they're going to serve your customers well. Yeah. And it like, I face this challenge at times to move out of that react space as a customer yeah. support leader. And so to hear that advice of take the time to talk to your teams, see what they need is going to really pay off, pay off there in the long run. Really smart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I've heard you speak previously about the need to foster a multi-skilled and multifaceted team. You know, we wear a lot of different hats in customer support and let's look at, you know, some of the skills part of that first, you know, in your piece, you outlined a really wide range of skills that that team needs to embody. It's really enlightening to see that broad range that all the disciplines requires, you know, things like trainers, being an educator, being a problem solver, analyzer, auditors, like there's, there's so much there, you know, tell, tell me more about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, these are, you know, and I wrote that and I've ta- and I've talked about that with regard to, you know, the customer experience team and how do we get this grassroots groundswell of involvement in the customer experience work that needs to be done and the customer experience strategy and how do we get everybody sort of marching, you know, to the same tune and and really the customer experience team that you establish has a lot of different things that they need to do, right? And, you know, they're going to need to be trainers and educators so that they can teach the rest of the organization why customer experience is so important and and what needs to be done in order to deliver a great customer experience, right? And and then in that regard, they need to be influencers too. They've got to be the problem solvers because that's what we're trying to do for customers. We're trying to help them solve the problems that they tell us that they're trying to solve, right? They've got to be good listeners. You know, obviously um, we can't understand our customers and their needs and their expectations without really listening and hearing what they're saying, you know, they've got to be, you know, they've got to be champions for the customer throughout the organization. So there's so many things that the CX team has to do. You know, they've got to be analysts, they've got to be researchers, they've got to be project Mm -hmm. managers, they've got to be good communicators. There's so many different skills that we need. Uh, So the interesting thing is, is that Obviously, if you had, if you had all of those things in one person, you'd have a unicorn, right? Right. But to have them across the team, whether that's in your core customer experience team or it's through, you know, your governance structure where you're bringing in cross-functional folks with, you know, many different skills and talents that can that can help out. That's, you know, how you're going to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah. And do you find that by giving the employees like the space to put on those different hats, like in your experience, does that normally drive their engagement, you know, kind of breaking up that routine? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm going to say yes and no. (laughs) My initial, my knee jerk reaction is absolutely because what we want to do is we want to involve employees. Anytime there's, there's a change, we don't want to just force it on them. We want to involve them. We do want that grassroots groundswell. Right. Mm -hmm. But I have seen employees push back and say, I don't have time for that. And my answer to that is, you know, we're talking about the customer and we're talking about delivering on the customer's needs and expectations. And it's not about creating more work. It's about doing things more efficiently and more effectively and doing things that are meaningful and impactful for your customers. And and, and that should help to increase your productivity as well, because you're doing 
the work that matters. Yeah, that's a good that's a good shout. That's emphasizing you know your core job, that being the face and serving customers, like just really driving home that importance and that these additional asks and involvements are n- nice and important to do, but shouldn't feel like piling on more work, which I think is really important especially yeah, these days. Yeah. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode one is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that... All businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise. Old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. Well, switching gears, we'd love to talk a little bit about just the customer side of things. And so, you know, back to the customer, uh, amazing insights there. And, you know, looking at about how the team can kind of apply this understanding and breadth of knowledge uh, to, to our customers. You've said previously that the key to putting the customer first is by listening characterizing and empathizing, really in practical terms, how do you think customer support leaders can approach these goals? Yeah. So I, I, it is about putting the customer first and it, and it's also about customer understanding, right? Doing those th- three things, listening, characterizing, and em- empathizing, you know, how do we really get to know the customer and her needs and expectations, the problems she's trying to solve the value she expects to receive from your brand. So that's all important work, right? That that listening and characterizing and empathizing. Practically, I think that all has to be part of your overall customer experience strategy, right? And part mm-hmm. of the customer-centric culture. And it has to be part of the overall approach to how you do business. And, and that means that you everything you do is in the best interest of the customer and you can't know what's in the best interest without without listening, right? Without without really get, taking the time to get to know your customers and the experience they're having and what their pain points are and what problems they're trying to solve. So, so I, I think that's the the practical and operational part of it is is that you have to infuse that into everything that you're doing. And this is a leading question, I guess, but yeah. uh, you know, for us at Intercom, having software for customer support is very important, and you know, I think. I have a lot of conversations that using technology or embracing something like automation doesn't mean you're taking away from listening. It doesn't mean you're putting up walls for customers. Um, these aren't mutually you know, exclusive things that we can use technology to make things better. 
and still to give us more time and space to listen to the right things and empathize in the right way. Would let you know putting you on that spot. Any thoughts about that and kind of balancing some of these soft skills with also the technical side of things? Yeah, no, absolutely agree with you. My the blog post that I wrote last week was all about automation and how you know right now it's not about automating people; it's about automating processes. And and what that means is that we're trying to take those menial, mundane, repetitive tasks away from our employees, away from the customer success folks, away from the customer service folks, away from you know the the rest of the organization, accounts receivable, everybody, right? To automate those mm-hmm. those things that are repetitive that can be put, taken off of somebody's plate so that they can spend more time doing the impactful work, doing the value add, building relationships with customers, focusing on the customer in front of you rather than thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to get off the phone in, in three minutes or less. Otherwise I'm, I'm, you know, my backlog is what it is, you know? So, so absolutely. I think that automation is a hot topic this year. I don't think it's going away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, it will continue to be a, a huge piece of how, the employee experience, the, the employee productivity, all of that, and, and allowing employees to do more meaningful work. Yeah, over for us here at Intercom, we use what we call the conversational support funnel. And there's a layer of proactive support, layer beneath that automation. And that bottom piece, uh, the tip of the funnel is, is human support. And so I always like to reference that. And myself and our leaders, it's like, we need to be spending just as much time strategizing and thinking about the customer experience and journey in each parts of that funnel, um, especially yep. that human, that human component, because that's where, you know, our teams, our teams can come in and work their magic. So exactly. uh, that makes sense. You know, you're a big advocate for journey mapping and its role in creating a customer centric culture. Would love to hear why do you think that this is so important? And really, like, where can businesses start? Yeah, you know, I, I <laughs> that's a, all great questions, right? Um, I, I like to refer to journey mapping as the backbone of customer experience management. The information that we we learn when we're doing the journey mapping process has to be used to inform your customer experience strategy, right? So journey mapping, I view it as both a powerful tool and a process, right? The tool okay. is the map itself, the process, you know, there's it's not just about the picture. It's about what you do and the next steps and, and how you ultimately implement what you learn when, when customers create these maps. So, so I think the, the important thing is, is that out of this process, we get a wealth of information, right? An understanding of the customer, the experience that the customer's having, the experience the customer wants and desires. We learn about the business and where things are breaking down behind the scenes and how that impacts the experience. Again, if you're implementing, you know, the full process, right? So mm-hmm. I think for the business, I think they just, you just have to start, right? The important thing to do is map with your customers from the customer's perspective and make sure that you capture what the customer is doing, thinking, and feeling. We get, we have to think about journey maps differently from you know the buyer journey, the buyer funnel, the life cycle stages, all of that. What we're doing is we've selected some point A to point B. So let's say it's a customer support interaction. What was the need or what was the issue that the customer had that caused them to contact customer support? And then what were the steps that the customer took? What channels did they go to? Did they go web, then chat, then that didn't work? So they called and, and you know, step by step, what was the experience that the customer had until that inter- until that interaction is closed out and their problem is solved, right? So we have to think about that 
level of detail when we're mm-hmm. journeying out. And, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to spend a lot of money to do that, but you do have to have, you do have to bring your customers in and do it with customers. The other part of that, and this is part of the process is service blueprinting. And, and that's when we gather the employees who are behind the scenes, who are delivering and, you know, the experience that the customer is having. So we bring these employees together and we map out who are the people, the tools, the systems, the processes that support and facilitate the experience that customers are having because we want to fix what's happening on the inside so that we can fix what's happening for the customer on the outside, right? So all of that's really quite eye-opening. It sounds like a lot, but you don't have to you don't have to boil the ocean to begin with. Pick something that you know is a pain point for the customer map that and then you know move on to move on to something else map that make your changes show your you know show your improvements communicate with customers close the loop and um and you know baby steps <laughs> baby steps for sure yeah i mean that's such a good shout because as you were talking i'm sure for myself and many support leaders your brain starts running and you start thinking about like you said all those little details along the way and can be quick to jump to like the systems and tools to to collect that data and to piece that puzzle together. And so I think, you know, I, I took a note, jot that down. It's like pick something that you know is a pain point and you know, don't feel like you have to take it, take it all on at once. It's just really, really helpful advice uh, for support leaders out there getting started. Uh, I want to ask, you know, you mentioned bringing customers along with this. That can be scary. You know, it's a vulnerable moment, that 360, asking your customers, like, what do you think is the biggest pain point in our experience? And any advice for kind of overcoming that hurdles or a good way to get started with that bringing customers into the conversation? Well, you have to get over that. (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) If you want to improve the business, if you're really going to focus on the customer and design an experience that's great for the customer, you have to talk to the customer and you have to get over the fact that that customers will say things that may hurt. Right. And you have to Mm -hmm. have to not take those things personally. It's not about you personally. It's about your business. And you know what? When customers give you that feedback, they're doing it because they want your brand to succeed. It's not, it's not for anything other than that, right? They want the brand to succeed. If they don't, they're not going to participate, right? If they don't care, they're not going to give you feedback. They're not going to participate in this work. But when customers do, we need to listen, right? We need to listen and we need to not take offense to it and hear what's being said and use it to design and deliver a better experience. That makes sense. Uh, Last piece kind of here to pull this thread. Is there any parts for the journey mapping that you would maybe recommend as a starting point? Is there a particular part in, you know, again, we use that conversational support funnel, any parts of the journey that you think would be just a good starting point for customer support leaders to start that research? No, you know, I, I think it is, you know, what I, what I mentioned earlier about known pain points, right? Known pain points for the customer first, and then known pain points for the brand, right? Where are you seeing sort of those leakage points? Mm-hmm. Um, why are customers abandoning their shopping carts? Why are customers leaving the site at this point? Why are they bailing on the, you know, IVR tree when they're holding on a call? You know, why did they not stay on the chat when they should have stayed on the chat, you know, whatever it is, right. You know, those pain points because your customers will tell you through feedback, or you'll see it in the data that you're already collecting behind the scenes. Right. So that's where I would start is, is those things, right. That's, that's the best advice that I can give is, is really, that's where you'll want to start. 
Um, you've stated before that some companies think that they're journey mapping, but in reality, they're not really there yet. And so would love to better understand, like, where's that gap and uh, how, like, how can they get there? Yeah, well, the, the reason that I say that is because what they're doing is they're either process mapping because they haven't brought customers in. So they're gathering a bunch of internal stakeholders and, you know, they're doing a couple of different things, right? They're either process mapping. So they're talking about what's happening internally that's creating that experience, or they're at such a high level, they're probably talking about the life cycle stages or, you know, just the buyer funnel or the, you know, those kinds of things, right? Again, journey mapping is done with the customer from the customer's perspective. And you have to capture within that what the customer is doing, thinking, and feeling. And if you're not capturing at least those three things, then you're then you're not journey mapping. And how would you differentiate that a bit from, you know, thinking about journey mapping versus personas? I know that can be a familiar model for for leaders. Yeah, well, you know, they're they're two very different things and both in terms of what they are and how they're used, but they are used together. So personas are research-based, you have to talk to customers, you've got to interview customers. Research-based personifications or groupings of customers like customers, customers with the same, you know, pain points, problems to solve, jobs to be done, needs, preferences, you know, so so there's a, a, a bit of research and analysis that goes into developing those personas, but they sort of, you know, cluster into those like groupings of customers. And again, we have to talk to customers. I know a lot of folks will, again, gather stakeholders in a room and say, who do we think our customers are? And that's not developing personas. That's very much perpetuating sort of the we think problem. And uh, we need to go talk to customers so we can say we know who our customers are. Whereas journey mapping, you know, again, we talked about what journey mapping is. So it's, you know, one personas is who are my customers and, and really getting that deep understanding of who the customers are. We start journey mapping with personas because different personas have different paths, different ways that they interact with the brand, right? And different needs. So the two then work together, right? So journey mapping is about the experience and what experience the different personas had have had. So hope that clarifies that yeah. difference. Yeah, that's super helpful. And again, I think putting myself in the shoes of all the support leaders out there, you, you know, it's that persona, again, that persona, that map, it is going to look different. So really taking the time to to differentiate those, doing your homework to understand that, and then go through uh, with the mapping makes sense. So, well, you know, as we wrap up here, uh, we'd love to know, you know, what's next? Do you have any big plans or projects that you're excited about or working on for 2021? Yeah, you know, right now it's, um, you know, the year has started off quite busy. So that's a good thing. But I do plan to uh, write my second book before the end of the year. So that's that's the big big one for this year. And you can say no answer, but any sneak peek on topic? Should we expect more great, you know, customer experience advice from you? Yeah. uh, Well, this one is going to focus more on the employee side of things. So employee experience and culture. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It goes back to the Starver conversation. That'll be... Uh, a very exciting read. So best best of luck there. Thank uh, you. And yeah, you know, this series for us here at Intercom, it's all about hearing how companies are, you know, how they scale their growth. Uh, but before we go, I'd love to know what was a key event in your career that helped you scale professionally? Well, 
I don't know that I've necessarily scaled professionally. <laughs> we have a book out, so you've got to give yourself some credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I will I will say this, you know, that the the interesting thing about consulting work and coaching work is that it's very much one-on-one and people people come to me, brands come to me for me, right? What's inside of my head. So the work that I do is very customized to, you know, the individual and their needs. But I will say that, and and I don't have any personal assistance or virtual assistance or anything like that, but I will say that I do, um, if the workload or something is not in my wheelhouse, um, you know, or the workload is too much, I will partner with and have in the past partnered with other consultants to, um, you know, share the work and help each other out. And, and we, we do that, you know, a, across the board here um, quite frequently. So, you know, there are plenty of us, uh, one woman, one man shows out there who, you know, don't have plans to add uh, employees. And again, you know, companies come to us because of who we are and what we've done. And so it's hard to, and it is hard to scale that, but it, there, there are some of those smaller tasks and, and administrative things. And I, you know, I have an accountant, I have a lawyer, you know, all those mm-hmm. kinds of things that get handled by other people who are much better, <laughs> much better suited to do those things. So. Yeah. And if, you know, if I'm hearing you to throw this back at you, it does sound like it is uh, a little bit of an exercise of, of knowing your strengths and, knowing when to say no, and instead focusing in on being really intentional with that focus. Uh, It's a great way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, lastly, uh, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and, and your fantastic work? Yeah, thank you for that. So I, I always love to cl- connect with people on LinkedIn and um, or you can go to my site, cx-journey.com and, you know, sign up for my newsletter and and I, you know, I'm blogging every week and in touch with uh, with my readers every week or so, you know, it, whether it's the blog or my monthly newsletter as well. So yeah, so sign up for that and happy to happy to connect, always happy to talk CX. So So thank you for that. Antoinette, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you again for taking the time to hang out with us here at Intercom. I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I have a bunch of notes for myself and my team. So uh, thank you again so much. I know our listeners are really, really going to um, find this valuable and uh, appreciate you. Take care. Thanks again for having me. Take care as well. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Annette Franz. If you did, we'd love you to give us a review. It helps like-minded people find their way to our content. We'll be back next week with another great episode of Inside Intercom. We hope you'll join us.